So we're glad to uh, talk with you this morning, and oh my goodness, we have Charlie Brown, and he is not the Charlie Brown. Many of you, he's not <laughs> your regular Charlie Brown, but this is Holly Creek's own Charlie Brown. Okay. Charlie's so happy to have you with us this morning. Thank you. And um, Charlie lives right here in the South Building, and um, we welcome you, and I think we'll start out about where you started. Where did you start, Charlie Brown? <laughs> okay, I have no memory of this, so <laughs> this is hearsay. Uh, I was born in Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh, my father was in the Army. It was 1942, and uh, so... What I became was an army brat. <laughs> oh, we have a few of those around here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we do. And uh, so <laughs> that's where I spent my first few years. And the stories are legion about uh, the adventures that we had. So so where did you go? Did What did your dad do in the army? Where was he stationed? You know, well, he was... He wasn't an infantryman, but because he joined the Army uh, before the war started. So it wasn't one of those quick training things and something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So, But uh, he was a non-commissioned officer. And, uh, <clears throat> and I don't know what he was when I was born, but uh, my... My mother and dad did talk about those years. They never talked about the war years when he was in the Army and overseas. And he did, did he do some training? Well, yeah, he did. And the interesting thing about my dad sitting in the Army was they didn't have any Jeeps or anything like that. They had horses. Hmm. So when he joined the Army, it was learning all about the cavalry. And so uh, he not... Because he was a farm boy, he knew about horses, and so then they put him where he was training horses. Okay, and, uh, I bet he loved that. I don't know that he loved it, but he liked it better than marching, <laughs> I <laughs> can tell you that. Why not? <laughs> so anyway, so the first pictures I've seen of myself, other than the just born picture, uh, were when we were in Louisiana, and they had taken the troops to Louisiana to, uh, if I got those, get these two time frames right, but anyway, they took him to Louisiana and uh, took him out in the forest, and they had to bivouac all night, and I loved the story when I was a kid, was uh, they'd wake him up in the middle of the night and say, go find your horse. And the horses were running loose? So. No, they were tied up. Okay. But... You had to go where all the horses were tied up, and there were a lot of horses, and your company was in a certain, certain spot. But in order, it was totally dark, and they didn't turn on any lights because it was practicing war. Mm -hmm. 
So in order to find your horse, you had to go along and feel the rump of each horse until you could find the one that had your your brand on it, and you could re- you would remember your brand. And he hated <laughs> to do that. I, I wonder why. <laughs> well, so, it must have been a difficult task to find your own with one out of many. I I would think it would be, but that's all he would ever say about it. You had to find your own horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we also were in Needles, California, too. And they were practicing desert work then because then they were thinking they were going to send them to North Africa. Mm. And as it turned out, when my dad went to the war, he went to England and then over uh, to Europe from there and was in the Battle of the Bulge. (laughs) And he didn't talk about that either. (laughs) Well, you had a... uh you inherited quite a history yeah <laughs> from your dad yeah and then you um where was it that you went to high school and you know you growing up years yeah i i went to high school we moved around a lot when my dad came back from the war we moved around to a lot a lot of small towns in kansas and finally ended up outside of kansas city missouri in a small town where my grandparents lived and my great-grandmother uh-huh. and uh my my dad had gone he loaded up the family and we moved back there because my grandfather was very ill and uh, uh my great-grandmother felt like my dad needed to be there to take care of him. My dad was the oldest of three boys, and so that's that's where we moved, and that's where I went to high school in a little town called Harrisonville, which is outside of Kansas City. And uh, I graduated from high school there, and then I went to the college that was not in that town, but it was a whole 50 miles away. <laughs> oh, and did you commute? No. What? Did you commute? Uh, no, I went down. The, I, I went there. down. I, li- I lived the dormitory okay. life for a year, and that mm-hmm. was had enough of that. Now, did you have some kind of a goal or a profession in mind that you? Yeah, I was. I played sports in high school, so I was going to be a coach. Uh huh. I'd teach something, but I was going to be a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Most teachers, men teachers in those days, yeah. were coaching some. Yeah, yeah. I'd known Mary Ann since we were little kids. Oh. <laughs> well, her sister was in my class. And so, and I we had moved there when I was 12. So from the time, you know, somewhere along in there, 12, age 12 and 13, I knew who Mary Ann was. Yeah. Did you become friends with her or her family no. at all? Not, not at that time. No, I was friends with her sister. Mm-hmm. But she's a little kid. Oh, little kid. <laughs> <laughs> she's a whole three years younger than me. <laughs> so what did this college life bring your way? I'm sorry? Your college. What what goals did you attain during your college years? And what was offered to you? You know, I did start pursuing the coaching thing. And then mm-hmm. and, and I, my interest was social sciences. And... As part, that had been a uh, just a teacher school at one time. So they knew what they were doing about being a teacher. They made a school work with kids 
when we were early in our undergraduate years. And one of the things they did, they signed you a classroom at the laboratory school, and you went over there and worked. And you just took your assignment. It didn't matter whether you were secondary or elementary. Well, I got assigned elementary, and I went over and worked with the third grade teacher, and I really had a lot of fun. I really mm-hmm. did. <laughs> and I really enjoyed working with those kids uh, and helping them build their birdhouses. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh he- Was this a School? What? Was this a rural school when you taught? Oh, when I taught it was, but uh, when I went to college, it was uh, it was a, another small town, but it had a, a college there, a university. So when did your teaching begin? My teaching began before I was ready, because... I thought I was going to have to drop out because by that time Marianne and I had married and we had a child and I found out you can't afford to live as cheaply as one. You can if there's two of you. When there's three of you, it's a problem. (laughs) Takes a little money. (laughs) So I was telling a friend of mine, I was commuting to school by then, I was telling a friend of mine that... uh, uh, I'm really going to have to quit and get a, a, a job that, you know, that paid. Mm-hmm. And he, I said, I really want to finish my degree, though. And he said, Charlie, you can get a job in one of those r- rural schools outside of town. Now, I knew about those, but I didn't really know about them. I knew that there were some out there. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can? And he said, yeah, all you have to do is take a test, and if you pass the test and can find a job, you can be a teacher. So, you? And so, I thought, well, I can give that a shot because I'm broke and I want to finish school. So, I I went and I, got, I prepared for the test, something I normally didn't do, but <laughs> I really prepared for that one. And so, I went in and I did well. And I... I so I asked the county superintendent of schools, I said, are there any jobs out there? And he said, oh, yeah, there's one about 15 miles outside of town. Mm-hmm. And so I got a hold. I called the school board president, got his number, called, and he set up a time. I went in and interviewed. And next thing I knew, at the end of August, I was teaching school. I didn't have a clue what to do. It was grades one to eight. And I had, I probably had close to 30 kids in there. In uh, grades one through eight, one in through one eighth room. grade. You had all of those at the same time? Yep. Yes. Oh. You really had a wide <laughs> curriculum. Well, you did and you didn't. Not, I may not remember this quite correctly, uh-huh. but when you got to the sixth, seventh, and eighth grades, one year, or fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, yeah, about four of them. Anyway, you switched the curriculum that year. You might be 10 years old and a fifth grader, but you took the sixth grade curriculum that year. The next year, you went back and got the fifth grade curriculum. doesn't work very well, so the teacher say. has to figure out how to make it work for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way they did that then. So did the older children kind of take the younger ones under their wings and help guide, or did you have them help the children? 
the te- the, the kids, older children. The, the kids were the best teachers in the school. I can tell they you that. like. I know the younger children love to have the older ones yeah. working with them. Typically, that's what I did. I would have the older kids who could finish what they were working on, and have them help the younger kids, especially practice reading, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So, yeah, I figured that out after a while. And then uh, my cousin had done this kind of teaching, and she was my mentor. And that then, was a good help. Yeah. And then my high school principal's wife had, was still teaching in those schools, and she was also my other mentor. So I had... You had a good team. I had support. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. So then what came along during those years that uh, helped you further in your education? Well, I kept going to school at night, and I kept going to school every summer, and I kept working towards my degree, my undergraduate degree, and switched my major to elementary education because that's where the jobs were. And, and that's what you had some experience And with. I had experience, that's mm-hmm. right. And so... Uh, I did that for quite some time until I got my degree, and then I gave myself a big raise by moving into the town where I could teach in the town school. And so I spent a lot of years at Harrisonville Schools, even though, I, well, I had grown up there since, 12, since I was 12. And so then I finished my, uh, under, um, my graduate degree I finished a couple, three of those (laughs) graduate degrees. Good for you. Well, you had some opportunities along the teaching lines. You were offered some some positions in um, special ed and reading. Right. Uh, The the school district decided that they needed a reading coordinator. There were some difficulties with the reading program and I had been studying reading along I I started on a master's degree in that and and uh, was still working in that direction but I didn't finish that degree but I got a certification for as a reading specialist so when they opened up the job for a reading coordinator in the district I applied for it I got the job and then I thought okay well what do I do this (laughs) that's the way to do it. You it? learn how to job. <laughs> What's new? Anyway, so, well, I knew a really good reading coordinator, and she was about, I don't know, 60 miles away. So I got a hold of her, and she showed me how. What to do. Yeah. And how about the special ed part of things? Well, that's the superintendent called me in after the reading program was going real well. He said, Charlie, there's a new law going into effect. It's for special ed. He said... I don't know anything about it, and it looks to me like that'd be a good job to go along with reading coordinator. I want you to be director of special ed, so I was. <laughs> that is a huge job. And I found out a lot then. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Sandy and I were talking a little bit about these things that sometimes the parents are uh, really curious as to what's going on with their children. Did you... Was that an easy part or a difficult part to deal with parents? Some parents can be so difficult. Well, special ed is a, it's, it's it's kind a of really a serious thing. situation. Yes. 
And it's really hard for a parent to listen to your child needs special help. Exactly. Yeah. And they're struggling. And they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. No, no. And so that's something that you just have to work along with them. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, but you always have to do it. I mean, you've got to try and hopefully they can come to terms with it. The best thing I learned is is try to give the parent as much control as you can. Uh-huh. with regard to the child's learning. And if you put them with the, if they get a good teacher, and I'd like to think we did, we had mm-hmm. good teachers there, they'll win them over. I just had to get them through the doorway, you know. I think teaching is the greatest profession there is. <laughs> I really do. Wouldn't be here without our teachers. Sometimes I feel that way about doctors, too, you know. <laughs> well... It wasn't long before you became principal. Right. And uh, do you have some principal stories to tell about uh, how you handled these, that job? Well, you know, I, I think uh, I got, I got a, a certificated as a, a principal. And uh, the first job I, I got as principal was that the principal resigned his position in August, and I was still director of special ed, and uh, he left, and I applied for the principalship, and I got the principalship, and they said, no, by the way, you can keep director of special ed and reading <laughs> coordinator. And I I did that for a little a few days. And then I went and found a, a friend that I knew that I, I knew she was highly competent. She lived, she worked in a neighboring school district and I hired her <laughs> to do my reading coordinator job. It, it seems like um, you had a lot of confidence among the staff people there, but you also had a child and a wife at home too yeah. with all these extra things that you were doing on your job that was just a big yeah. load to carry. And my wife was a, a full-time student. Oh. At the, university, <laughs> at the same university. She became a librarian. Yeah, she was an art teacher to start with. She got her undergraduate degree in art, and she became a... After a while, she came home one night, and she said, I'm tired of having my hands in... Temper paint and water all day long. And cleaning <laughs> up the mess. <laughs> later. And she, I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, well, I think I'll be a school librarian. And uh, that's what she did. She became a school librarian, and then she went on and became a public librarian. And that takes special training, too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. She mm-hmm. has two master's degrees. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, um, you became superintendent so here you were from a rural rural classroom teacher and all the way up to superintendent and Uh, at the same time uh, going to school there was a period of time in the school district where we needed to move some people around because well we were out of money and uh so we had a new superintendent and he said to me well what what do you think we ought to do? And and I said, well, we don't have you don't have an assistant over here, and you really need one. 
And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, I could do that for you. <laughs> and uh, and so then we moved. We had a, a principal assistant principal situation in a, another elementary school. And uh, so we made one principal of one school and one principal of another school. And so I did that dot that job which was interesting because I found out that assistant superintendent means you do everything that the superintendent tells you to do or he doesn't want to do. <laughs> so you don't make so many decisions at that point you just follow that lead and yeah. Did you miss the classroom? I missed being at the school with the kids. Mm -hmm. The classroom I had done that and what that's why I, I was a teacher a long time about seven to ten years somewhere along in there and I decided that I had done all the teaching that I needed to do and that I could do a better do better being a principal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I knew what needed to be done and I could apply the time to do it so that's where my focus was was being a principal you just uh, adapted to every stage of your education and accomplished a great deal while you were working, getting all this experience. Charlie, yeah, I just really thought I amazing. was having fun. <laughs> Good for you. That's probably why you got so many offers. Sometimes because, it was hard, but I was, yeah. Well, I'm sure there were hard times. Yeah. 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 Do you do you ever have any of your former students? Uh, do you have any connections back there in in Hor Harris? What was it, Harrisonville? Yeah. Any connections back there yet? Yeah. Any former students or? Yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, I hear from them all the time. Sometimes out of the blue. Sometimes I have to ask about them. And so, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It must be so rewarding. Hmm? It must be so rewarding to hear from Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the town must know you. It's, I'm sorry? Is Harrisonville very big? Well, it's about 12,000 now, but I think it was about 2,000 when I moved there. And so you knew everybody. We all knew you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's the county seat, so it's it's a different kind of environment there, really, because it is the county seat. Mm -hmm. A lot of transactions and things happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was the highlight? What was, if all these different phases of education, what did you ever get to coach? Oh, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> there wasn't any way I wasn't going to do that. I did. I had, uh, I coached football and basketball. And uh, up until up until I uh, got the administrative jobs, and then I hung just, that up. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. I had a good time with the kids. And uh, not so much a good time with the parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's really... You know, everybody wants their kid to play, right? <laughs> and they question why they didn't get put in. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. That's a story I've heard time and time again about parents. We want success for all our kids, but we want all the kids, not just our kids, <laughs> to, yeah, to have yeah. that. Well, um, in your spare time, did you travel much, or what did you like to do? I had no spare time then. Not then. <laughs> I was working on my doctorate degree, 
And that was accomplished. And, well, yeah, I managed to do that. I changed school districts and went to one that's closer to the city and one that had a lot more money to pay me. And so, uh, and the thing about it was, is I decided to be a school principal again, and that was a good move for me because I really did miss the school Mm -hmm. environment as opposed to being in an office somewhere removed from that. And uh, so I was... In Kansas, in, the, in Kansas City for about seven years working at a suburban school district and uh, finished up my career in Missouri there. And uh, then I moved on from there and went to Illinois. We went there to be with our daughter. And uh, my wife took a public library job. And so then I decided I needed to work. And so I went and got a job in a a school that had 500 kids and none of them over eight years old and some of them as young as three. What, was the, what kind of school was it? It was a special needs school and it was a dual language school. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had kids learning English and Spanish. Some of them were Spanish speakers and others were English speakers. And then we had special needs kids there. And that was our population that was three years old. Oh, that would take a lot of special training. I should tell you how I won the teachers over there. You know, I was coming in. I was new. So one day we were shorthanded, and our school population of young kids, really young kids, we diapered those kids Hmm. because they they weren't able to diaper or, or take care of their own needs. And I knew we were shorthanded, so I went down and helped them change diapers. That was a big hit. <laughs> well, I, I, you've done everything from changing diapers to achieving your doctor's degree. Yeah, I did. I did. It was a good time. That was a great school. It was a great school. What was your PhD in? What was your doctorate in? My doctorate was in school, uh, general school administration from uh, University of Missouri. So how many years uh, from beginning to end of your education, your formal education, from college to the doctor's degree, how many years did that cover? I was 40 years old when I finished my doctorate degree. Well, all I can say is it's a wonderful accomplishment. Yeah. You did all of that with being married and having a child. Did you have another child, too? Did you have more than one child? Yes, we had two children. Two children, mm-hmm. and they're both girls. Yes, they both live here. And they both live here nearby. Yeah. I'm so yeah. happy for yeah. you for that. Um, you'd ask me one time about do I have stories of principaling, and I do. But my favorite story is <laughs> the school secretary came in to me and said, so-and-so, the little girl's name, said her father's here and wants and wants to visit with her and i said that's okay and she said i pulled the enrollment card and it says he's he's deceased and i said oh (laughs) i said do you know him and she said kinda i kind of remember him not really and i said well send him in here and I, i talked to him and I told him, I said, well, your, the enrollment card says you're deceased. So until I get that straightened out, I can't let you see your daughter. I can't. Oh, 
he was hyper. I said, well, I'll call your, by then, ex-wife, I guess. In one way or the other. They, they were still married, I think. Anyway, so I called her. <laughs> they were divorced. That's the other part of the story. She said, she came in. He was gone by then. He said, you can come back later. She came in and she said, well, he wasn't paying the alimony. He wasn't paying child support. So one year I came in here and just re-enrolled her as, as her dad was dead. <laughs> oh, a deadbeat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that takes a lot of diplomacy to get that one going. Well, I think our time is about over. So without the music, I guess, Sandy, we could hum. But uh, we want to say thank you, Charlie. It's been oh, delightful to have a good chat with you. And um, for Sandy and Syl... This is Wanderings for Today. I love to go.